welcome to the At Ramsey Heights podcast, your source for all of our audio messages at Ramsey Heights Baptist Church in Batesville, Arkansas. This is Pastor Brian Coates, and I hope this encouragement from God's Word connects with you and helps guide you through your next steps on your journey with God. Enjoy today's message. Well, good morning. If you've got your Bibles, we're going to be in Ephesians chapter 3 here in a few minutes. You can go ahead and start turning there. Well, in 1970, many of you may know this story, the Marshall football team had just finished playing a game when they decided to return home to their university. Um, At this time, this was one of the few times that they chose to fly home. And tragically, as they were flying home, that airplane crashed, killing everybody on the team, with the exception of one coach who was driving home for recruiting reasons, those who were injured and did not travel, and the JV team. Now, with this kind of a tragedy, the, the president of the university, he made the decision that he was just going to flat out cancel the football program. There's no way to start over from this point, but after a lot of pressure from the fans and from the students of the university, he made the decision to begin the football team completely anew. He went out and found a new coach. He went to the NCAA and got a freshman waiver where the freshmen could play um, in the games, and they began the team completely over. Now, the cool thing about this story is as they prepared for their first game, which they should have never won, having started a program from scratch, they went to their first game and ended up winning that one of only two or three they would win that that season in 2006 they made a movie with this uh, called we are Marshall starring Matthew McConaughey now I'm not sure if the movie is completely accurate or not but there's this amazing part in the movie where they realize the key to success as a team is not that they all come and do their best the key to success as a team is when they realize they have just become something bigger than themselves that this football team is not just about wins and losses. It's not just about wearing green and going out on the football team. This football team is about rebirth and hope for an entire university in an entire part of, the, um, of that state. In that movie, you see the iconic chant for Marshall, which is, We are Marshall. Now, if you, if you don't watch a lot of football, that's their version of Woo-Pig Suey. We all know a little Woo-Pig Suey. Now, to this day, Marshall University still chants that at their football games. We are Marshall. We are not individuals. We have come together to create something bigger. We are a collective. We are Marshall. Now, why do I bring that up? It's because this morning we're starting a new series called Ecclesia. That's what that, that fancy word up there that I've made to look all Greek uh, is. This is the Greek word that we translate to the word church. It is used 115 times in 87 verses in your New Testament. Now, just to give you, a, uh, 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 just to give you an idea of how important that is, the word grace, which is a key to our faith. Without grace, there is no church. Without grace, there is no Christians. Without grace, there is no salvation. That very key concept of our faith is used 122 times in your Bible. And church is used 115. Ecclesia is used 115. What that tells me is that that is something very important to our faith. That church is not just an event that you should go to because you're Christian. Church is something that is a core fundamental part of being a follower of Christ. Now, as we study this word, I'm just going to give you like like the spoiler alert here. What we're going to find is we really study what ecclesia means is that church is not a building. It is not a name. It is not a meeting place or a meeting time. It is not an organization. It is not a show. It is not an experience. Ecclesia, church, means that we 
come together and we collectively create something bigger than ourselves. We come together today to say we are Ecclesia. We are church. We are, in this context, Ramsey Heights. We are the church, not the building, not, not the meeting time, not the name. Now, we don't have any defined scripture to start off with. I'm going to meet you here in Ephesians chapter 3 here in just a few minutes. But we want to start off by exploring 87 different verses, and specifically this one word that connects them all. We want to define ecclesia. And I know what you're thinking. is like, Brian, you already defined ecclesia. Ecclesia is church. Well, no, that's not definition. That's translation. That's the word that we use in place of saying ecclesia. If we want to understand what church is biblically, we need to dive back in and we need to define Define this Greek word of church. So if we define it, it is defined as a called out assembly. If you've got your take home truths, number one on there is ecclesia. We are a called out assembly. When we say we are a church, we're saying we are a called out assembly. When we're saying we're going to church, we are going to the gathering of the called out assembly. Now, I want to break down that concept for just a few minutes and say, well, what, what does that mean? What does it mean to be called out? What does it mean to be an assembly? What do, what do those things mean together? If we are called out, what that means is that somebody has chosen us, they have got our attention, and in doing so, they have called us out, which means we leave inclusion for exclusion. You're going to hear those words a lot today. If you are a part of a church, you have left inclusion for exclusion when you were called out. It's like this, when, when I'm sitting at home and I'm sitting on the couch watching TV and I'm eating a bag of potato chips, when I pull a potato chip out of the bag, I take it away from the inclusion of the bag and it is now excluded from the bag. When I played soccer in high school, when I was in the game, I was included in the game and when coach called me out for a rest, I was excluded from gameplay. What we are doing when God calls us out is we leave inclusion to go to exclusion from the world. Specifically when when God calls us into salvation, he's calling us out of a broken world full of sin, where he's calling us out of our human nature. He's calling us to be separate and out of a broken world. Now, the question would be, why would we leave? Why would we leave inclusion? Inclusion is fun. Everybody wants to be included. We all want to be a part of something. Why would something call us to be uh, excluded from something? And the answer to that is God moves in us and he calls us to himself. In John chapter 6, verse 44, it says this, that, or Jesus says this, that nobody comes to him except for the Father has first pulled them towards him. So God draws us to salvation, and in drawing us to salvation, he's drawing us out of the lostness that we are. He's drawing us out of the world, and he has a purpose in that. Listen to this. Salvation is not just a ticket to heaven. It's not just something we say and we do so that one day God will let us into heaven. Salvation is when God says, you move away from sin. You move away from the world. You live differently. You are separate now. You are out of the normalcy of the broken world that we live in. We see this nowhere better than the calling of Matthew. You're probably familiar with this story. Uh, of Matthew. Matthew was a tax collector. And in the, old, or in the Bible times, a tax collector was not like your friendly neighborhood IRS agent. A tax collector was the lowest of the low of thieves. He had sold his soul to the Roman government and told them, I will steal as much money in taxes as I can to give you. And the Roman government said, in return, you steal as much as you can for you. And, and so these tax collectors were getting rich, not just because they had a great job. They were getting rich because they would overcharge and they would lie to get 
get more money. And for that reason, they were ostracized. They had turned their back on their own people to work for the Roman government. In Israel, since Israel was God's chosen people, a lot of people saw this as turning your back on God. You side with the enemies of God over the chosen people of God. And that's what Matthew, who writes the book of Matthew, that's what, that's what Matthew, who was one of the apostles, had done. He had sold his soul to the Roman government for money. He took advantage of people for personal gain. And yet one day we see Jesus Christ walk by his tax booth. He turns around and he looks at him in the eye and he says, Matthew, follow me. And what Matthew does is he walks completely away from his life. He locks up his tax booth. He leaves it behind. He leaves the inclusion of the Roman Empire. He leaves the inclusion of the wealthy. And he begins to follow Jesus into exile, to be an outsider, to follow a man who would eventually be persecuted to death. And Matthew, in eventuality, would be persecuted to death. What we see in the story of Matthew and his calling into, into or out of the world is a picture of what every Christian goes through spiritually. We may not physically have to lock something and leave it, but when we come to Christ, we walk away from the world. We walk away from sin. We walk away from the us who we were as God makes us new in some way. We're excluded from normalcy. And the longer you're a Christian, the more you will, you will find this is true, that you are no longer necessarily one with the world. You are no longer inclusive with the natural way that the world works. I have several friends who are either not believers or they're very weak believers, one of the two. And uh, when we get together, we can talk about the good old days, all the things we did when we were teenagers. We can talk about football all day long. We can play video games together. But if we ever get on those big life topics about marriage and money and faith, it becomes very clear that there's two different tra trajectories of our lives. That they're going one way, that they're living in one thing and I'm living in another, and those things are not compatible with each other. If you are going to follow Christ, if you are called out, if you accept his salvation, that is what God calls us to. So point A on your take-home truth is called out means exclusion from the world. Now, if that's all there was, if I just sit here and preach the message, say, oh, you're excluded, you're not included, you don't belong, you're separated, you're out of the loop, that wouldn't be very fun. That would make me feel lonely. That would make me feel like an oddball. That would make me feel like a freak. But if you look at Ecclesia, if you look at the church, Ecclesia is not just to be called out. Ecclesia, a church, is when we have an assembly of those called out. We are called out into exclusion, but then we're pulled into church, which is an assembly of those that have been excluded. There's a shift in a place of belonging. I used to belong in the world, but now, but now I belong in the church. When I graduated high school in 2006, I graduated from Southside, and uh, if you didn't go to Southside, we don't hate you, we just feel sorry for you, because that's where all the smart, attractive, and good-looking people are. Right, Anthony? You with me? Yeah, me and Anthony graduated together. Like, when I graduated from Southside, we, uh, we, we thought, you know, this is it. There's nothing greater than being a senior in high school. That is the end of it. And we had all this, like, the, all the swag, you know, all the clothes. Like, I had the jacket. It's the Southside. It's the coats on the back of it. Uh, the, the con art con artist at Jostens had made us buy all these things the class of 2006 and I'm like I'm going to wear that until I'm 50 because it's so cool and when I got off to college when I got off to Arkansas Tech University in Russellville I realized these things aren't cool nobody wears their senior ring 
Nobody wears their sports jacket anymore. Certainly nobody wears their class of 2006 clothes. Because we left those things behind to come into a new place of belonging. And by homecoming at Southside my first year of college, when I came back to Southside, I didn't come back wearing blue and gold. I come back wearing green and gold, the colors of Arkansas Tech. I was no longer a Southside Southerner. I was now an Arkansas Tech Wonder Boy. Yes, that really is their mascot. They couldn't come up with anything better than that. I left one place of belonging for another place of belonging. And when we become followers of Christ, that's what we do. We leave one place of belonging in the world to find a new place of belonging among others who follow Christ. So point B on your take-home truth is an assembly is an inclusion in a body of believers. An inclusion in a body of believers. And that's what God calls us to if we belong to him, is inclusion within a body of believers. One of my favorite movie series is the Marvel movies. I know I've got a lot of examples this morning, but I was just really excited this week. Uh, The Marvel series, I'm I'm not a comic book nerd. I don't even really like sci-fi. But what I liked about these Marvel movies is they took the stories of like six or seven different superheroes. And they would all have their own individual movie. And then after six or seven movies, they had one movie where every superhero was in it together called The Avengers. And what I liked about that is you saw all those different stories and all those different characteristics of traits start to blend into one group of people people. And one of those movies and one of those scenes where they're about to save the world, Captain America, who is in charge of everything, he looks at the Avengers and they're getting ready to defend against like these robots or something like that. And he says, Avengers, assemble, come together. And what you see is each of these individuals came together using their own abilities, but they made something bigger than themselves. That's what God has called you and me to. You are a separate individual from the rest of the world. You're different than the rest of us. Some of you are thinking, thank God, I don't want to be like everybody in this room. But what God calls us to as followers of Christ is to be an individual who becomes part of something bigger than ourselves. He calls us to become a part of a family, of a collective, of a small church and work within them. See, an assembly or an ecclesia is an assembly, not a gathering. And one of the problems we have is we often confuse that. We often think of a church as a gathering. Gathering gathering has to do with location. Assembly has to do with connection. We'll say that again. A church is not a gathering. A church is an assembly. A gathering has to do with location. An assembly has to do with connection. It's like this. These are my daughter's Legos, or well, I don't guess they're Legos, they're blocks. And, and what I have is I have them in this, this tote. These are, these are gathered. They're in the same location. But these were not meant to just stay individual. They were built and they were created for one purpose and one purpose alone, is that you add them to other things and you create something else. What I have here is a pile of individual gathered Legos. They're in one location, but they're not assembled. Assembly is when we take those Legos and we begin to put them together. Y'all like that? I made that. I'm really proud of it. It's it's impressive, I know. I I studied engineering for a semester. Uh, like, Like we take those individual pieces that are designed to be put together, we begin to assemble them together, and they create something bigger than the sum of their parts. 
That's what God calls us to as individuals coming to a church. He doesn't call us to gather and be in the same location. He calls us to connect with each other and create something bigger than all of us. One of the biggest problems in the church is we think church is a gathering. It's a building and a time and event that I go to and we show up at 11 o'clock and we leave at 12.01. Listen, that is not church. Now, if you're coming here, I want you to know I love you. I'm so glad that you're here. And if all you ever do is show up at 11 and 12, I still love you and I'm still glad that you're here. But you're missing out on what God called you to do. You're missing out on one of the greatest blessings that, that, that is this side of heaven, which is being a part of a church and building relationships with other followers of Christ. God's plan for you is that you are rejected and excluded from the sinful world and that you find connection and inclusion in a body of believers that is called a church. Now, here's why that's important. Because if you do not find inclusion within a local church, you will reach back out and try to find inclusion once again in the world. I'm going to say that again. If you do not find inclusion in a body of believers, if you do not find a family of Christians to belong to, you will find yourselves reaching back out for inclusion once again in the sinful world. And, and some of you came here this morning and you're struggling with a sin and like, like you know you don't want to do the sin, you don't like the sin, it's not something that you're unrepentant about, you, you fight it and you keep falling back into it. I would challenge you this, look at who you're spending the most time with. You're probably going to find that you're spending time with people who encourage that sin instead of people who will call that sin out in you and who will build you away from that sin. Because if you don't have inclusion in a body of believers, you'll find inclusion once again in a sinful world. Your next take-home truth number two is a church is where those living in an exclusion from the world find inclusion with others like them. So as we dive into this series, this Ecclesia series, what we're doing is we're asking, what is the function of the church? What are we? What do we do? Why, why are we here? And it begins with this truth is that church is a group of people that are connected, not a building, not a meeting time. It's us coming together. It's us coming together to create something. It's, a, it's a, a group of people who feel awkward in the world, but we feel at home with other believers. And the goal of this series is both to inform us and to challenge us on what our view of church is. In the Bible, ecclesia is, is often used two ways. It's always translated the church, but it's often used two ways. There is the church, capital C church, which is the bride of Christ, the collective bride of Christ, all those, uh, all those that, that are part of the church coming together. But the most practical application of this is a local assembly of people. Most of the time when the Bible talks about the church, it's not talking about the bride of Christ. It's not talking about all the churches together. It's talking about each individual little small local church and the problems within that local church, the, the callings within that local assembly of believers. And that's what Ramsey Heights is. Ramsey Heights is, is not a building. It's a local assembly of people that are called out of this world. And if he called us out of the world, God has a purpose and a plan in putting us together. I want you to know something. If, if, you, if this is your church, God has a plan for you here. Like, we, we don't just want you to show up and say hi and then leave and say bye. God has a plan to use you here. He wants you to connect with other believers. He wants you to grow spiritually, and he wants to use you to grow other people spiritually. He, he wants all of us to be a part of something and building something for his kingdom. So when we look at the purpose of our church and when we look at our individual purposes within a church, 
we find this. Read with me. This is in Ephesians chapter 3, verse 21. I told you we'd get there. Right, we're going to start at verse 20, rather. Verse 20. It says, Now to him who is able to do exceedingly abundantly above all that we ask or think, according to the power that works in us, to him be glory in the church by Christ Jesus to all generations forever and ever. Amen. If you joined us last week, you'll, you'll, you'll see that kind of familiar type of passage. We studied um, another familiar passage like this last week in the, the book of Jude. It's called a doxology. And what that means is usually when one of the authors of one of the books of the Bible ends the book of the Bible, he will end in a small form of praise called a doxology. He, he will end in a way of just saying, I want to give glory to God for what I've said here. Here in Ephesians, you have Paul talking, and in the context of what he's talking about, he's talking about what God has done in him. How Paul went from being a murderer, to being called out by God, to being part of an assembly, to being able to serve God in an assembly, in the churches across Asia, and all the things that he did in planting churches. And what he's saying is, in this, I want to praise God. And he gives this, this little bit of praise, this little bit of marveling at the greatness of plan. And in that context, he says, to him be the glory in the church. When God works in us, when, when God changes us, when we become different, when we serve him, when we spend time together, God is glorified in us. His glory is shown to the world. So your third take-home truth this morning is we assemble together to bring him glory. That's what our assembly here at Ramsey Heights is for. We, we assemble to bring glory to God. Everybody say Amen. Those that belong to him, we gather in his name, we are connected, we are assembled, and we want to glorify him. We are different than the rest of the world. I don't know if you know this. People look at you and they think, you're weird. That's a good thing, though. Because what the Bible says is that, that God's plan was, was to bring to himself an odd group of people that were zealous of good works, that we would be different. And the only thing that is different about us compared to other people is not what we've done, not the sins that we've tried to stay out of. Not where we go to church. The only difference in me and the only difference in you than everybody out in that world is we've met our Savior. We've come to know Him. And He's made in us a new creation. And we're different, not only than the rest of the world, but we're different from who we used to be. And so when we gather in that state, when we gather being different than who we were, and when we gather and we are still becoming different than who we are, when we gather and we pray, preach, teach, when we fellowship and we grow, it's all for His glory because we gather and do those things in the reflection of His heart. Even the simple things a church do are for the glory of God. Even when we get together and we're having some kind of a get-together and all the men get outside around that big grill and we grill hamburgers, if you want to know what happiness is, you put a bunch of men in this church around a grill and watch them lick their chops while they're trying to getting ready to eat those burgers. Like, like yeah, there's some amens. Like, like, like that is glorifying God. Not because those burgers are suddenly holy. We're glorifying God because what we're doing is still in a reflection of the heart of our Savior. And we come together in love and excitement. When our ladies get together every other week and they have needles class and they sew and they fellowship and they open the Bible and they crochet and they knit and all those other things that I could never do and they eat food that the men are not allowed to. I'm still a little sore about that part. That is glorifying God because we're doing it differently than the rest of the world. 
when it's 100 degrees outside and the pastor says, let's set up the water slide for VBS. And we get out there and we're pushing and we're grunting around and, and we're, we're doing this in hopes that kids will come here and they'll see God's house, this assembly of people as a place of joy. We do it to glorify God because we do it differently than the world. And we do it for a, a different purpose for the world. We leave out the bad, the sin, the fighting, gossip, and the backbiting. We leave those things out and we reflect God's character in how we work. That is the glory of God because people, or that is the glory that people see of God because people look at us and they see in us something is different and we get to point to God and say, he did that. That's who my God is. My, my God is not just an individual who exists somewhere and one day maybe I get to go to heaven. My God is a God who rescues broken me, picks me up and begins to put me back together. And one day I will be in his presence forever. And that's what we do here collectively to do. We're not here because we're perfect. We're here because we're so broken. Only God could put us back together. That's what a church is. And people see the differences in us. This is the picture of who God is for all to see. If you want to see what a church should look like, uh, my favorite scripture for that is in Acts chapter 2, when, when it shows how, how we are different. This is verses 46 through 48. L listen to what it says here in Acts about the early church. It says, So continuing daily with one accord in the temple and breaking bread from house to house, they ate their food with gladness and simplicity of heart, praising God and having favor with all the people, and the Lord added to the church daily those who were being saved. Listen to, listen to how the Bible describes the early church in Jerusalem, the very first believers after the death of Jesus Christ. Listen to what he says about them. He doesn't say, they got together for an hour a week and sang some songs and somebody talked. As a matter of fact, there, there's, there's nothing in there that suggests that it looks exactly like what we're doing here. What a church was, was a group of people who were unified. That's what one accord means. They were unified. They were with each other all of the time. They were building deep relationships and they praised God together. This is a picture of what a called out assembly should be. And here's what I love about those verses. Not only does it show me what I hope our church is and what I hope our church continues to become, it shows me that those things have a permanent effect on the world. Because what it says is as, as they did this, they had favor with all the people. And because of that, souls were added daily to the church of those that were being saved. A church built the way that God calls us to build a church. A church of people with close relationships full of love that reflect the character of our God is attractive to people. And they think we're weird and they don't get it but they know there's something different about what we have and they're hungry for it and they want it. That's why people will look at us and, and there's, there's a curiosity. They're like, what's up with this old church thing you're doing? Isn't that kind of weird? You guys break all the rules of fun. Why are you so happy all the time? Why are you always smiling? And they'll look at a church and they'll be like, hey, hey, who are you sleeping with? Our spouses and... Well, yeah, your spouses, but who else? That's pretty much it. What? Only, only people you're married to? Yeah, only, only people you're married to. And then it's like, hey, you should, you should come up here. We're going to be up here every night this week where we're going to have a great time. And immediately they're like, oh, you guys are you guys about to have a rager. Huge party, right? right? Like you guys are going to drink for like five days in a row and you're just going to enjoy it. Uh, no, we're having VBS. 
uh, you will feel like you're hungover afterwards, but not because you've been drinking, just because you're really tired. And they're like, what's VBS? And it's like, oh, it's awesome. It's, it's the best week ever. You'll be exhausted. But, but here's what happens. At VBS, we take all these kids that we don't know, and we're going to feed them food, and we're going to sing songs with them, and we're going to decorate the whole church in little cheap paper decorations. It is like the best time ever. And they look at us like, are you insane? That doesn't sound fun. But it is to us. They might come to us and start that, you know, look at that weirdo over there. Look at how he's walking. Look at how they're talking. Look at how she's dressed. What a weirdo. Um, that's my sister. Oh, oh, well, you know, they're much older than you, and they didn't look like you. And I, I don't, how's that your sister? Well, no, that's not my physical sister. That's my sister in Christ. We don't, we don't share physical DNA. We, we share spiritual DNA. Don't you hate having a weirdo for a sister? Oh, no, let me tell you this. That lady who you think is a weirdo, she sat by my side when I lost somebody I loved. And she was there when my daughter was sick. And, and he calls me just to encourage me and tell me how much he loves me. They're not weirdos, they're family to me. And other people look at us and go, y'all are, are odd. They might come to us and say, I bet, you, I bet you hate all of these rules. You get all these things you have to follow being a church person. And then we get to turn around and say, um, well, actually, those rules are all in place to keep us from things that will eventually hurt us. And we found out that our life is much better with those rules, with those things that protect us. And they look at us and go, you have to be miserable living like this. And we say, I wouldn't trade it for the world because I belong to a group of people who come together to worship a good God. And I love everything about it. And you may think I'm missing out on the world. You're missing out on the greatest part of the world. You're missing out on being with other believers. You're missing out on being connected to somebody. You're missing out on love. And what we get to do is we get to paint a picture of God's love. Yes, we are weird, but we are weirdly happy. And people don't understand it. But they're interested. And in that, in the early church, they use that to point people to Jesus Christ and say, what I have is from a good and loving Savior. And you can have it too. He died for you. He loved you. And all he asks of you is to accept him in faith. And you get everything that I have. You get salvation. You get grace. You get the family of weirdos who are always weirdly happy. Your fourth take-home truth is outsiders see a picture of God's love in his churches. So this morning, understand this. What the Bible describes when it talks about an ecclesia, what the Bible describes when it talks about a church and glorifying God is not a gathering it's not a show, it's not an experience, it's not a meeting time, it's not a name, it's not a building. It is an assembly of people who come together when many become one entity and they call themselves a church. And if we want to be a church that glorifies God, if you want to be part of the assembly that glorifies God, I've got some bad news for you. You don't get to be a part of that by attending, you get to be a part of that by connecting. You have to be a part of that through effort. You, ha you have to be a part of that through commitment. And what I want to know this morning before we leave, is that your experience of church? Is your experience of church a group of people in an assembly you're committed to be a part of? 
Or is your experience of church a show that I go and watch for one hour every week, at least when it's convenient? This morning, you may find that you may find that uh, you don't find that to be your experience of church, brother Rick. If you want to start coming up here, I've got two questions for you. Two things I want I want to ask you about what keeps you from being a part of the church. What keeps you from being a part of the way the church the way that the Bible calls it? Number one is: Are you called out? Are you called out? The Bible says this, that God calls us to become one of his, that we come to Jesus Christ because he calls us to him. And this morning, you may be sitting here, and the rest of this means nothing because what you're feeling in this moment is you're feeling God calling you. You're feeling him calling you into faith and into salvation. And if that's you, what I want you to know is that is completely normal. And it's completely normal to fight that. I fought that. Everybody in this room that's saved has probably fought that at one point or another. But when you give into that, you become one of his children and he gives you more than you could ever imagine. If you are fighting that today, I want to encourage you, just let go and give it to God. I'm waiting up here and I want to talk to you about that. But if you are one of the called out, I want to ask you, are you assembled? Are you part of a church or are you just gathering at a church? And there's two things I'm going to challenge you to do this morning. Number one, if you're not a member of a church, I want to challenge you to just take a step, if this is your church, to make that commitment. Membership is a fancy word for commitment. That's all it is. And if you are a member or if you are making this your church, the other thing is I would encourage you to find a small group, a place where you can meet groups of people and begin to build relationships with people who will build you up, who will take you um, out of sin, and who will help grow you and you will help grow them. Whatever God's calling you to do this morning, don't leave here the same day that you walked in. Let's stand and worship together.